Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're familiar with the context of uh, that the prophet Isaiah was speaking to, uh, you can imagine that the message that he spoke from God that we just heard read in our text this morning must have meant a great deal to the people of Judah who were at that time in exile in Babylon, at the time of reading this message from the prophet Isaiah. They would have felt physically drained and emotionally deflated and spiritually hopeless there in their captivity. They must have needed a huge boost in their faith. And the prophecy of God through Isaiah certainly offered a hope-filled promise of their return from exile back to their homeland of Judah and Jerusalem and to the worship of God in the temple there. But as we saw and just heard in those words of Isaiah, this vision that God gave to Isaiah is more than just a prophecy about the return of the people of Judah from captivity in Babylon back to their homeland. It also points to a more distant future than that. God the Holy Spirit led Isaiah to see and and to write down for God's people of every age, not just that time in which he was living, but also including you and me today about the hope of the life to come in God's eternal kingdom of heaven. So through the prophet Isaiah, God gives us a glimpse of heaven's glory. Now, throughout the Bible, God depicts those wonders and glories of heaven in in a variety of different ways. Sometimes heaven is pictured as a new garden of Eden. At other times, it's called paradise. It's also called our unfading inheritance and Abraham's side and a banquet or a, a wedding hall and the Father's house. And finally, the new Jerusalem. Now, although none of the details that we see depicting heaven in the Bible uh, ought necessarily to be taken completely, literally, nevertheless, they all depict heaven as being a true place of wonder, splendor, and joy, and peace with God. You may be familiar with the Beatles song, Imagine. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us, only sky. Now, unfortunately, many people have imagined that, and and that's what they believe. But God, through his prophet Isaiah, tells us that that idea is totally wrong. God has Isaiah picture heaven as a real place marked by the end of mortality, the end of death. No more miscarriages, no more fatal accidents, no more deaths from disease and injury, no more gathering together at a graveside to mourn someone who died too young or even an old age whose loss we still greatly miss. In heaven, people will do what God intended us to do, live forever. God revealed heaven to the prophet Isaiah as a place marked by the end of frustration. 
People working with joyous satisfaction, celebrating the fruits of their labor. No theft, no deterioration, no decay, uh, no war to rob us of the produce of our hands in there in God's new heavens and earth. In heaven, the frustration that sin brought on this present world will vanish. God revealed heaven to Isaiah as a place marked by the end of hostility. We see that even the wolf and the lamb will feed together. That animal instinct for survival will never again mean killing or destroying anyone or anything else. In heaven, the perfect harmony that God created in the beginning will again reign supreme. And finally, God revealed to Isaiah heaven as as a place marked by the end of evil and sin, as life without temptation to sin, because there is no more tempter, there is no more sinful nature within us. Satan will be banished from God's new Jerusalem, that heavenly city, which will be a source of joy both for God and for his people. In heaven, instead, there will be only good. Because we will see God face to face and we will live with him forever. It's hard for us to imagine such a a glorious and wonderful and perfect place. In fact, we've come so much to appreciate uh, this world in which we now live and, and its joys and pleasures. In spite of all the sin caused problems that there are in the world around us, we still marvel at what a wonderful world God has created for us to enjoy. And indeed, we sometimes grow so attached to the things of this world and and the, the people and things in it that it's sometimes hard for us to imagine that this life is, is not all that there is. It's sometimes hard for us to imagine that there might be something that is, is even better than the joys and pleasures that we experience in this life. And sometimes we might slip into the way of thinking that, that this life is all there is, and that the pleasures of this life must certainly be far better than the pleasures that God has in store for us in heaven. And, and we sometimes feel that, oh, I just don't want to leave this life and its joys and pleasures and people. But God promises us that the glory of eternal life in heaven will far surpass any of the pleasures of this life. The Apostle Paul talks about that hope in his letter to the Christians in Rome. He says, I conclude that our sufferings at the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Paul says that compared to eternity in heaven with God, Our whole lives here on this earth are just like a drop in the vast ocean. Over 750 years after the prophet Isaiah wrote, the apostle Peter wrote in in 2 Peter, In the last days, scoffers will come with their mocking, following their own lusts. They will say, Where is this promised coming of his? For from the time that our fathers fell asleep, All things continue as they have from the beginning of creation. And we see that just as at Peter's time about 2,000 years ago, still today there are those who mock our belief in heaven. According to them, Christians are completely out of touch with reality. 
Their heads are, are so high in the clouds that their feet are no longer touching the earth. Someone scoffs. You really believe all that stuff that's, that's written in that dusty old book? Literally? You believe it's literally true? I suppose you believe then in, in the tooth fairy also, in the Easter bunny. So Christians are made out to be nothing more than the, the foolish prey of some ecclesiastical con men. Marx and, and Lenin theorized that Christianity was nothing more than the invention of the greedy rich designed to deprive the common people of a fair share of life's goods. And so, they said, slaves were robbed of their material rights by the powerful, only to be placated by the hope of some pie in the sky by and by. In the face of that kind of ridicule, sometimes from people who seem to be highly intelligent and wise, our faith in God's word and promises can sometimes start to wear thin. We may even begin to doubt ourselves the reality of heaven. But God's reliable, sure word promises us heaven. Prophets and apostles throughout the millennia, inspired by God the Holy Spirit, have written about heaven throughout the pages of the Bible, Old and New Testament. We Christians are convinced from God's word that heaven is my home. Heaven is our true, eternal home. And we believe the Bible, God's word, because we have been led to believe, first of all, in the good news of salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus himself, the eternal Son of God, who also became true man, assures us of the reality of heaven. On Monday, Thursday, the, the evening before he died on the cross, Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me, so that you also may be where I am. So how silly and, and tragic it is that people continue to debate the existence of heaven or of life after death. These clear words of Jesus settle that question for us. Heaven is real. And Jesus also answers the question, the age-old question of how someone gets to heaven. In that same upper room on Monday, Thursday, just a few verses after those that we just heard, Jesus made it very clear. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Isaiah also prophesied so clearly about how that salvation of all mankind would be accomplished. In chapter 53 of his book of prophecy, he said this about the coming Savior and his work. Surely he was taking up our weaknesses and he was carrying our sufferings. We thought it was because of God that he was stricken, smitten, and afflicted but it was because of our rebellion that he was pierced. He was crushed for the guilt our sins deserved. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
we all have gone astray like sheep. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has charged all our guilt to him. By itself, any one of our multitude of sins that we commit throughout our lives could keep us away from God's heaven forever. But thank God that Jesus earned forgiveness for each and every sin that we've committed by dying for us on the cross of Calvary. Jesus paid the penalty of sin's curse for every person, for you and for me. And now to all who trust in him as their Savior, God the Father promises a place in heaven. The Apostle Peter expressed it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he gave us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is undying, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Through faith, you are being protected by God's power for the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the end of time. What will heaven be like? Many people wonder. We ourselves certainly have probably many times wondered what exactly will it be like in heaven? Now, maybe you've heard people express different ideas about what they think heaven will be like, or perhaps at least what they hope heaven will be like. Often you hear those ideas reflected in, in the, the kinds of things that they enjoy doing in this life. Now, those ideas, of course, are often very different from the depictions of heaven that we see in the Bible. But even all of those details about heaven given in the Bible by themselves are not what is most important. What is most important is that Jesus will be there with us in heaven. And there will be perfect peace and joy with him forever. He promises it. He assures that that is what will be. And so it is in this glimpse of heaven's glory that we place our hope and that we find our true source of peace and joy in this life as we look forward to that perfect eternal life to come. Amen.